Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Now entered the house of mystery. With your host. David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on KCSU 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. Of course, I'm Al Warren, Mr. Michael Hawley. It must be Tuesday. That is correct, Al. Tuesday it is. So it's Tuesday. Uh, so what, it's, are you, you were on another show? You didn't tell me? Like, what's that? Uh, a, yeah, a couple podcasts. This uh, Another one, they are, you know, my Jack the Ripper research stuff, and they are quite interested in the uh, suspect that I researched. So so I, I spoke to him, um, I think it was last week. And then, then my publisher has a podcast, so I, had, I spoke about it because of the new book coming out. Right. So, I just saw a crazy train, and I thought, well, this is the appropriate one for sure. <laughs> yep, crazy train radio. That's what that's what it was. And so, yeah, they said they they did assess that I was a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you are. I'll testify. That's yeah. correct. But you're seeing another podcast. My God, I feel sorry, like sorry. Two timing, two timing, man. <laughs> yeah. Three, three timing, ten timing, whatever. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, so, of course, we had uh, Robert J. Sawyer last week, and uh, so now we're following up and we're because he's one of the uh, uh, judges on the L. Ron Hubbard Future Writers Contest. And so, uh, anyway, we've got a couple of uh, people from that contest, a couple of winners here, and they're in the new, uh, I guess it's kind of a, a book. It's a book. But <laughs> Book 39. Book 39. Wow. Yeah, you're almost double that age. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so. So it's presenting the uh, writer, Writers of the Future, Volume 39. And they're in that edition. We'll have that up, of course, so people can get it any time. So let's welcome the uh, writers that are joining us today that are in there. So first of all, let's welcome uh, J.R. Johnson. Thank you for being here, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. And, of course, uh, we've got Spencer Seculin, so thank you for being here, Spencer. Thank you for having me. Hi, Spencer. Hey there. First of all, so, so so people that don't know what this is, what this book and what this contest is all about, let's talk to Jennifer first. So, Jennifer, um, how did you find this contest, and and what is it all about? That is an excellent question. Um, I I don't exactly remember where I found the contest, but it's one of those things that's just out in the ether because it is a very high-profile contest for amateurs. First, let me specify, it's for writers of speculative fiction. Um, so if you write fantasy, if you write science fiction, um, this could be your game. Um, it is a quarterly con. well, I should say it's an annual contest with quarterly deadlines. So. Uh, every quarter, so every three months, they have a deadline, and you can submit a story up to 17,000 words, I believe. that's My, my story was actually almost exactly 17,000 words. 
Um, ah. I know it was huge, but you can do shorter ones too, no problem. Um, but they uh, charge no fees. There are all kinds of interesting and useful um, um, tips and forums online. If you're if you have questions about writing that sort of thing, there are workshops that are free. Uh, they're very committed to helping writers expand their knowledge base and and write better, which I can absolutely get behind. So I submitted, and then every quarter you get winners, and then all the winners for each quarter get to, get flown out to Los Angeles from wherever you are in the world, and put through a week long writers conference. And so Spencer and I were that's where we met out in Los Angeles, and so we were both flown from Ontario out there and had a fantastic week. It was uh, intense, it was educational, and we got to meet some incredible people like Robert J. Sawyer. Spencer, how did you come across this? Well, first I'd like to say, uh, Jennifer, that was a, a fantastic summary, basically, of everything about the contest <laughs> I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, been, that's fantastic. So I came across this, I think I was just, um, I was just starting writing short stories. I initially started writing super long, novels and I didn't know what to do with them and I realized that short fiction might be I would say a a different avenue to take right just starting out so I was looking at places to send my short stories and I just stumbled across on Google search um, the mention of the contest and from there I looked into it and it looked really cool so I just started throwing stories at it and you know I'd say th four years three years later four years later uh, this happened so again it was mainly just uh, just very um serendipical i would say just stumbled across it and i'm very glad i did wow that makes my nipples hard good word <laughs> whoa now <laughs> well well jennifer so what this talk about your story what sort story did you submit and um, what can people expect to get out of your your story hmm. my story the seventeen thousand word uh, epic was uh, a science fiction story that is actually one of the more humorous stories I've written. It's called Piracy for Beginners, and it was um, what I think of as sort of a space romp. So there are some serious aspects, right? I mean, obviously, pirates are scary, but um, I had fun. It was one of these stories that I had a great time writing, and I just thought, you know what? This is a crazy length. It's a crazy kind of a story. It's pirates in space. It's all of that. I don't care. I'm sending it. And it won. So this was my fourth submission to the contest. Um, and some people win their first time, and some people submit for years until they, they win or get feedback, whatever. But it really just depends on who you are, who the, who the judges are, that sort of thing. But I just, I really enjoyed this story, and I hope that the readers like it too, because it was a lot of fun. Now, Spencer, what about you? What did you submit, and, and what do people get, get in your story? So... My story I submitted is called the the Children of Desolation, and it's more of a I would call it a post-apocalyptic science fiction story. Now, in terms of the genre, I can almost blend it with fantasy because sci-fi and fantasy, in in some ways, can blend together. So I'm still still a bit uh, on the fence of which to classify it as. <laughs> but anyway, this story is it's I would say this story is reflective of a lot of my writing style. It focuses on pretty serious themes and has a more mature subject matter. Um, it revolves around, of course, an individual who's trying to save his wife. Um, this is a post-apocalyptic world based in South Africa. And it does a lot of themes crammed into it, I would say. I had a lot of different plots that I just tried to shoehorn into there. 
we got revenge plots. We've got plots about, you know, heritage and culture, about oppression and freedom, about forgiveness, and I'd say ultimately about the integrity of the human spirit. So I try to do a lot in that one, and I think it worked out fairly well. I guess it did since it got in. It was great. But, um, <laughs> but I had a lot of fun writing it. I, to be honest, I, it was one of those stories that, that I didn't know what to do with because I wrote it, and it was too long for most places to accept it anyway. So I just sat on it for about a year and a half, put it through another draft, and then sent it to the contest because I thought I had nothing good to send. So I figured, well, I'll just send this because I need to send something this quarter. And it was surprising that it ended up winning. So it's funny how it was. Was it about 17,000 words? No, it was about uh, 12,000. It was originally 14. It was 14 originally, but I cut off two. But uh, yeah, I tend to write long things as well, I would say. So is it per, per, are you required to send something per quarter? Is that one of the requirements? You don't have to, no. But it's, you've, it's given that it's a free contest and there's no downside to, to submitting to it, you may as well just send something every quarter if you have something. Even if it's something you've already sent a previous quarter and got rejected, maybe you improve it a bit, you can send it again, right? Lots of people do that with good results too. So you, it's more like there's nothing to really lose by sending it that quarter, right? You know, so it just more okay. odds in your favor, right? That's kind of how it works out. So, the, so then, book thirty-nine is like an anthology, and you have you both of you are in there. Yep. The contest has been going on for thirty-nine years, and so every year they they publish the winners. Now, now, so so Spencer, when you say this, you're talking about your your story that you've submitted and stuff. When you're when you deal with this kind of subject, are you setting up and creating your world first and the situation? and putting the characters into it, or did you create the characters and decide to put them after into this world? Like, where did where did it start for you? You know, this one started um, kind of a bunch of unrelated ideas that just kind of snapped together after about a year of them sitting around doing nothing. Um, I would say that for this story, I started off, number one, with a, a person with a problem, right? So the main character, Tumelo. I always have to feel like there's a compelling problem that the character's facing, right? Something I care about, because why else am I going to bother writing about it? So I first have to be enthralled by it, right? So I'd say I start more of character. But at the same time, the idea of the whole setting and the the mechanics of it were also kind of kind of in the back of my mind at the same time as well. So I think it kind of happened almost simultaneously, right? There was a setting that was intriguing to me. And at the same time, a character that I cared about whose problem I wanted to explore a bit more. But um, but the story title itself was that that existed before anything else. I just wrote that down on a Word document, figuring, huh, that sounds cool. Maybe I'll write a story with that title sometime. And that that uh, blank Word document sat around for God knows how long. So if anything, the story title happened first and then the story happened years later and jennifer what how did it go for you was it was it uh story contact like uh the characters like what what, what's your process my process can vary but in this case um i had something similar to spencer because i came up with the title piracy for beginners and i just thought that was fun um but it it sat in the back of my mind until i actually i i I was reading the news, 
And there was a story about pirates in the Red Sea. And so I was thinking about pirates now, pirates in the past, and thinking, you know, questioning what would pirates of the future look like? Because I do not doubt that no matter what happens in the future, human nature will remain the same. Economics will likely remain fairly similar. And we will have pirates because those two things come together um, in certain ways and certain places. And so I thought, all right, no matter where we are, there will be pirates. What would that look like? Right? Pirates in space, um, who would have to deal with them? How would you cope with that sort of a thing? And then the character popped into mind. So the character is actually the captain of a spaceship, and she is trying to get her people from you know point A to point B, She's trying to get them from the moon back to the Earth, and pirates intervene. So she's faced with um, a problem, and Spencer is absolutely correct. You need a person in a place with a problem when you're trying to put together a story that will persuade a reader to sit with you for however long your story takes. Um, and in this case, the character was one who had this particular problem, but of course she also had some internal issues that she was, that she was working through. And so having those two things connect in ways that were interesting interested me and it carried me through the story. What's your relationship with your characters, like your main character? How do you, how would you describe your character? Hmm. Um, she's someone I'd like to meet. I would absolutely say that. She is, um, she takes direction fairly well, but she has a lot to say. Let's put it that way. She's tough. Uh, she's ex-military. She's very fair and she's very much committed to good and right, no matter what it takes. <laughs> so I like her a lot. And, and what about you, Spencer? I say he's uh, this character to Melalaska. I'd say I wouldn't say he's the the prototypical you know badass kind of character, but I find and with most of my characters this is the case. There's always a a piece of myself that's in there, right? Um, I'd say there's be it insecurities, be it passions or fears or you know losses, anything like that, right? There's always a bit of that I feel buried in there, you know, like a splinter under my skin, right? But for him. You know, kind of, again, similar to what you said, right? Someone I'd like to meet, but someone I care about, though, right? Someone that I, I see his problems. I see all the odds stacked against him, and he's got to push through that, right? So I almost feel like I'm in the background rooting for him, and I find that's that's how I'd say my best writing comes out when I am really involved with that character. You know, I want to see him or her succeed, right? But... At the same time, I've got to make it hard for them. So it's <laughs> so it's a bit of a bit of a complicated relationship, I'd say. Right. No. So how do you how do you experience your character then, or do you hear them? Do you, is it is it like watching a movie? Uh, do they talk to you? Like, what's what's your experience, Spencer? For me, a lot of it's visual. Yeah, a lot of it's visual in my mind. Sometimes, like a movie, certainly it was very much like that when I started writing. Everything was super visual, and as a consequence, I did way too much description, right? I was way too deep on that. But even now, right, a lot of it's still, it's always in my mind's eye. It's always uh, the imagery there, and especially if I'm listening to music, right? I find those two blend together very well, and I'm always imagining the scenes and what it looks like and, and everything. So, yeah, for sure, it's it's heavily on the 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 envisioning in the imagery side. And what about you, Jennifer? Um, I 
I wish I were a little bit more visual, I, I think I can say. I do envision what's happening, but uh, it tends to be very focused on the character and the character's experience, which is great in a lot of ways, but um, sometimes I'll have to go back and layer in more detail in the environment, for example. Um, but I do end up with uh, essentially a movie playing in my head, but at the same time the character is is speaking in a lot of ways. So I'm kind of half in the character head, half out looking at the environment. And it, I mean, it can depend on the story, it can depend on where I am in the writing process, certainly. Um, but yeah, I'll go back and layer things in if I miss something in the first round. Well, you're not driving when you hear these voices, are you? <laughs> no, it's not talking to therapists either. <laughs> no, just, just checking, you know, you don't wake up with a shovel by the bed, do you? Or you know? No. <laughs> Well, you know, just check it out. You know, what about, uh, you know, poor husband. Uh, I, I, <laughs> so um, what happens to your characters when the story's over? So the story's done, it's published, it's in, it's in the anthology, and you're probably going to move on to something else. Um, where do your characters go? Uh, my character is taking a well-deserved rest on her ship and waiting for me to come up with her next adventure. Does, does she stay with you? Do, do your characters just disappear, go away, or just, do they stay with you? Um, no. Um, I guess I could say they, they stay with me, but I guess I could say it's more like a friend you see on the weekends, you know, sort of a thing. I'm also thinking about new characters and new ideas, but I'll pop back to previous characters, for example, I'll have, um, depends on my ideas, right? Like if I'm thinking, uh, if I'm writing of, you know, coming up with a fantasy that has to do with magic and something else, something completely unrelated to space pirates, then, you know, she's off having a beer or something, right? She's not hanging out with me. But if I come up with an idea that I think, oh, well, that could actually be great for a future story with my previous character, then it pops back. Right, right. Um, and so what about you, Spencer? What happens to your characters? Well, I'd say for me, all, most of my characters, I would say, would be they're always there, I find, because I get really emotionally attached or involved in these characters. So I always often find myself looking back on stories I've written or when I'm writing a new story, there'll be almost like echoes of other stories I've written, right? And it's all just there you know, in my mind or whatever that space is, you know, where you get that feeling of connection and of, of that, almost that yearning, I would say that I feel whenever I write, you know, that yearning for something more or, or to create. So it's always there for me. And for Tumelo though, the, the character in the story in this anthology, he's not off the hook at all. Cause I'm writing a, I'm figured I may as well write a full length novel. Cause really the story serves as a, a good starting point for a much larger conflict that I had in mind. So it's not really over for him yet, unfortunately. It's not over yet. Yet, yet. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do like yet. I do like good endings, though. I don't like bleak, unhappy <laughs> endings. That's for sure. Oh, I prefer good endings. What? I don't. Not yeah. a spoiler. Well, so, not a spoiler. But <laughs> not a spoiler. But you, you seem okay. So well, well for you, I, my guess would be that um, things are very important. You do have something to say. So underneath the entertainment value of a of a 
of, of a story like this, Spencer, I guess you, you kind of, um, you have a purpose, right? There is a theme you want people to take away. Sometimes, yes. Oftentimes I find the themes just happen. You know, they, I almost see them after the fact, right? Looking at the story and I realize, oh, you know, you can, you can construe that, oh, it's about this or it's about that. But oftentimes I don't put them in intentionally, right? They seem to arrive, arise out of just the, the meat of the story, right? The, the problems that I almost call almost universal problems, right? Things that humans have always struggled with and always will, right? Be it love, be it loss, be it oppression or whatever, right? So these things are so hardwired into us, right? But sometimes I certainly do want to say something for sure. And, but the bottom line for me, like my motive for writing stories is, one, because it's fun, but two, because for me, reading stories growing up, that's something that really made a difference for me, right? From a psychological standpoint, from a a survival standpoint, almost, right? Like books really saved my ass. I really want to pay that forward too, right? By ideally maybe touching someone else out there or inspiring someone else to read, to write, that kind of thing, right? Because it's been a very meaningful part of my life. So these things could become a screenplay then? Uh, oh. Never thought of it like that. Maybe. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. That's your next step, though. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so what about you, Jennifer? I agree absolutely with everything that Spencer just said because, um, I mean, it's funny. I, I talk about this story as a, a humorous take, and in some ways it is, um, but it's still serious. A lot of my, a lot of my work does have... Uh, very serious emotional underpinnings, and I think that's absolutely for the same reason that Spencer points out, is that um, typically writers don't get into this unless they started as readers and, and reading was very important to them uh, in some emotional way, in some developmental way. And for me, that's what it was, right? Well, partly because I grew up without a television. Thanks. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> but, but my parents were very anti-TV when I was growing up, so it was books or nothing. However, books filled um, a, a huge role for me in a lot of ways that made them very important, and, and they still are very important. And so writing was a logical step after that. But the mission, in a sense, if you want to think of it that way, uh, is partly entertainment, but it's also partly because, um, as Spencer says, you know, you can really touch people in positive ways, um, help them think about problems, help them see solutions. Um, even if the, the solution is just to know, you know, it doesn't have to be something immediately applicable to the person's life, but just saying, oh, here is a, you know, you're reading a story, here is a person that has a really scary problem and they figured a way out of it. That message um, at the most fundamental level can be critical for, for children, for readers, you know, for anyone who is up against it, shall we say. So anti-TV, that means screenplays are out of the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We, <laughs> I grew up, I, I have my own place and I do have a television. <laughs> They didn't, they didn't bring you up right, obviously. I'm telling Dad. Yeah. Yes, well, my dad has a TV, too, at this point, so yes. <laughs> well, so, the, you know, at the end of the day here, like, so uh, let's start with Jennifer on this one. Mm -hmm. Going through the process of writing a story, a book, and, and even going through this process where you submit it to the uh, contest, you're in there now, you're in the anthology winning and all that, um, how is this changed you 
as a writer or even as a person? <laughs> well, uh, my my flippant answer is, well, I, I haven't been writing as much <laughs> because I yeah. haven't had as much time. Um, there's that. But um, I haven't been writing as much and I haven't had as much time for a positive reason, which is that going through the contest process was very educational in a lot of ways. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, we were flown out there and it was a week-long event where we are put into a room with a lot of big name writers, people who are experienced. I, I should, let me clarify, there, there is another part to this contest, which is the illustrators portion. So if you're not a writer, but you're an illustrator for things like fantasy and science fiction, there is a place for you here too. So we were in one room, the writers, the illustrators were in another room, but we were both having a, um, a great experience talking to people who have been in the field for decades, like not just years, right? Decades. They've, they've built careers, they've gone through problems, they've had all of those um, issues and experiences that people like Spencer and I would be interested in having. And so going through that was great um, in many ways. It was exhausting, <laughs> but very, again, educational. And coming out of it is thinking, okay, well, what exactly do I want as a writer? You know, what, what part of this appeals to me? How do I want to shape a career as a writer, for example? And so it's led me to ask a lot of questions that I hadn't asked before, because before it was just like, oh, you know, who might, what, what outlet might take a 17,000 word story, right? There are very few. And so I was stuck at that point. But now I've made the jump in a way that, um, it's certainly possible on your own, but doing it through the contest gives you a real leg up. A jump, a jump to make um, um, a let's say novel, full-length novels. Well, sure. I mean, you can you can write a novel anytime you want. You, you know, you certainly don't need to wait for something like this contest. But um, doing, understanding both the process of writing in more depth, but also the business of writing. Um, that part was very helpful. We had people come in, like you've mentioned screenplays. We had people come in and talk about selling to Hollywood, um, you know, what it's like to work on comics, what it's like to work you know, on screenplays, that sort of thing. Um, and just getting a sense of the experiences that people have had and can have in, in the business was very useful, I think, to all of us. And Spencer, what about you? How, how has this all changed you? I'd say a lot of what Jennifer said there certainly resonates with me, certainly the business aspect of writing was very, it's not something I normally look into, right? I write because I enjoy writing. I never looked at the whole professional side of it, the networking side of it, the business side of it, the financial side of it, right? And besides, of course, the bit, the craft of writing, the the whole experience that really highlighted these areas that were really big blind spots for me and just helped me understand just, just the, the wider world of things as a writer that you'll face going forward. So that certainly gave me a lot of perspective. A lot of information that I intend to use or am using right now to, I'd say, better position myself moving forward. But it also just just overall, it just helped me reaffirm that writing is something I want to do and, and to keep doing. Right. I, I, I don't want to say that I'm, you know, a slave to validation, but at the same time, being able to win a contest like this and to have that kind of experience and overall just to affirm that maybe, OK, I can write well enough to be worth people's time you know that was a very important experience for me so 
I'd say that helped me become a bit more confident as a writer, while mm -hmm. at the same time giving me some more skills and experiences that I can use. But conversely, I would say there is some, I would say some pressure as well, because it's like, okay, I can write. Now I've got to, <laughs> now I've got to live up to that, right? So there is some pressure too, but, but I'd say it, it's overall been a positive thing and just making me more confident and opening my eyes to a lot of things that I was really not really aware of in the past. Right. Right. And, and you know, that it's just all part of it, you know? Um, so what's next for Spencer? Uh, well, I'm, as I was saying, I'm, I'm currently working on a novel based on the, the short story and the anthology there. And that's something I want to certainly for my next long project, that's what I'm working on right now is to, finish the first draft for that and then a second draft and of course to to go forward from there right but i'm always working on short stories novellas that kind of stuff so the grind keeps going right i'm always sending yeah. short stories out to magazines getting rejections i'm i'm stacking up rejections like dollar bills right now <laughs> you know it's just and that's that's the that's yes. the name of the game i guess right i've I really haven't sold anything in a while. It's just been uh it's been a fun, fun slog, but that's just how it is, right? So but I'm always working on things yeah. and I'm always trying to get a bit better. But at the same time, life gets in the way. So I'm trying to balance that and you know, working in the medical field and then of course uh med school in the future too, right? So I try to find a balance between this creative side and the the other side of life that I like to pursue as well. Yeah, it's it's an ongoing battle. And so, so Jennifer, what's next for you? Uh, it's I could just fill in Spencer's answer in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> uh, You're really the same person, aren't you? Are what really Spencer are. said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I too uh, am working on a, a longer project based on my anthology story. Um, in a lot of ways, it was seventeen thousand words, which is long, but in a lot of ways, it was just an intro. It was me thinking about the origin story of uh, a group of people, of characters that I would like to spend more time with. And so that's the next project, right? And I've been fortunate enough to have some reviewers come back and say, oh, this is terrific. It would be great to read the next novel, to read the story that comes after this. And that, uh, along with, as Spencer said, the winning the contest, is it's a great um, confidence booster. And in a lot of ways that has been one of the things maybe maybe not the best thing but certainly one of the more substantial things that came out of the experience because when you're a writer um, as Spencer again mentioned uh, you get a lot of rejections and at the beginning that was a problem for me right nobody likes rejection but now I will say I have gotten to the happy place where I am totally okay with rejections yeah. <laughs> like, yes. it's a problem yeah it happens all the time and it's a good thing because it shows you it, it keeps you moving it keeps you um, pushing forward and it also gives you some feedback not much part of the great thing about the contest is you actually do get some concrete feedback from people who know what they're talking about um, so that part has been great so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to doing more writing. I'm looking forward to making progress on this and other projects. But again, you know, like Spencer said, life gets in the way. A question I have, uh, Spencer, you said that you're making your anthology into a, a complete novel. Is it going to be part of your novel or you're just expanding that in, uh, the, the short story into a full novel? Good question. I would say I'm going more 
expanding it into a full novel because when I first wrote it, I ended off, I end off and it's, it feels like a closed loop ending, but you can tell it can keep going on. And everyone I sent it to, I sent it to a bunch of people, you know, my beta readers, my test readers, right? And the majority of them said, wow, you know, this could, I could see this going much longer, right? Or, oh, it feels like it's just starting. And that was a consistent, uh, a, consi- a consistent opinion amongst a varied assortment of readers. So it was already giving that vibe before I even sent it to the contest. And now that it's done and now that I've had a lot of time to think about it, I've, again, expanded the world. And it feels like a good place for it to, I'd say, naturally progress out of. So it hits the ground running, you know, which I think is good. But I find that it's right. a... It's a good point to start a snowball, as it were, right? Because the story itself, oh, okay. the story itself solves some problems, but it also sets up a bunch more, and things can get a lot worse before they get better. And Jennifer, <laughs> you too, the same. Similar, uh, in some ways, I'm. I would say I'm not, probably not as far along as Spencer has in that case, but yeah. And so, uh, it really is a way to open up the world and my original concept for the for the story that was published in the anthology the short story was as an intro novella essentially to lead into a lead into a larger novel so it'll be interesting to see how it works out uh it could go either way but i still like the idea of something that is in a sense a teaser for this larger world for a novel for a trilogy whatever it happens to be um, and a way to, to introduce people to the characters and to the ideas and draw them in without them having to commit to a full novel, for example. Well, Jennifer, where do your inspirations come from? And I don't mean necessarily other writers, but um, is it people that uh, you run across? Is it kind of, where, where does it start for you? Uh, again, it really depends. Like I mentioned, in this case, for this particular story, I saw a news article, and it was about, you know, piracy in today's world. So that was that was what got me thinking um, about this particular topic. But for me, it can really be anything. It can be um, people I see on the street. It could be an idea. Sometimes it's something I read, um, like another speculative fiction piece, but typically not. Typically, it's more about interaction in the world today and spinning off an idea or an event or an interaction in a way that has a speculative dimension. So I'll have something and think, okay, that's great, but what would this be like in space? What would this be like with magic? How would someone, how would this particular kind of a person navigate a world that looked a lot different than the one that we have today? Or how would the economic structures that we're facing today translate into a place that deals with, say, magic instead of money, that sort of a thing. And what about what about you, Spencer? Where where are your inspirations coming from? I'd say it's it's never a consistent source. A lot of things, as I said before, with how the story started, a lot of things are very unrelated ideas that just come together when I'm in that I would say that creative flow state, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my stories. I draw a lot of influence from music. I listen to it all the time when I'm writing. I always get into that state, and that's when just random ideas come up and just come together, right? But I draw things from, as 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 Jar was saying, from all sorts of different places, right? Uh, I watch lots of, you know, there's TV shows, there's movies, you know, I, video games. I don't play too much anymore, but 
you know, when I do, it's always a one of a very deep story. I try to get story intensive ones, right? So I tend to draw from a lot of the different things that I consume for fun and including novels as well. I don't, as you said, I don't draw too much, I would say, from other stories that I read, but I would, it would be a liar to say that I don't take away from the stories that I have fun reading too, be it, say, Brandon Sanderson or uh, I'm a big fan of Brian McClellan. He writes some great, I would say, uh, flintlock fantasy stories, as it were. I draw a lot from the stories that I really enjoy and I find it really reflects in my writing. But at the end of the day, it's it's never always the same thing. And I'm often surprised or blindsided by ideas and they just, you know, just hit me out of nowhere, right? It's hard to explain, I find. Okay, let's talk about social media and contact. So where do people find Jennifer? Uh, my primary home on the web is jrjohnson.me. So uh, I do have some social footprints, but uh, I don't spend a lot of time there. My big thing has been uh, on the website. I, I have a blog, and I have been posting every day since the beginning of 2021 because there's only so much pandemic a girl can take. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was, I was stuck. I was, you know, it was the pandemic and there we all are. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to write every day and we'll see what happens. A lot like John Scalzi started however long ago, you know, just writing whatever he wanted on his website once a day. And I thought I can do that. And I did. So a lot of what I do is there. My fiction is there. Uh, links to my fiction anyway. There is a lot of it available online. People just want to go and check it out. I'm there. And uh, you can also find me on places like Twitter, but uh, you're better off going to my website. And Spencer, where do people find you? I would say my website is a good place to start, spencerseculin.net. And from there, everything's on my website, be it my, I write articles on the side sometimes, my writing's on there, a bunch of other random stuff, and of course, thanks to all my stories. But I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, Goodreads, and I do have Instagram, though I don't use it that much, to be honest. So again, my website is a good place to start, and it's got anything, pretty much links to everything else as well. Okay, we'll have all that up on our website as well, and you guys aren't on TikTok dancing and all that stuff yet? Uh, don't get me started <laughs> no. on those TikTok dancing videos. Um, during, like, <laughs> I, I work in healthcare, and oh, my goodness, all those dancing videos during the pandemic were, uh, we have oh, jobs to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's entertaining. It is. It I is, think it I'll is. leave that to uh, Robert J. Sawyer. He's apparently killing it on TikTok. Is he? Oh, well, sweet. He's, oh, he's, that's yeah, right. He's he killing a that. lot of things on there. <laughs> That's a he can talk story. too. That Robert can talk. He, yeah, yeah, he can. Yeah. He can. I had a I had breakfast with breakfast with him, and I was stuck at the airport with him for quite a while, <laughs> which was a good thing. I'm not no negative connotation. He's an awesome guy. No, yeah, but, I, a, but I bet he spoke mostly. Oh yes, no, no I was yeah. there, I was there to listen. I was there to listen. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. Well, okay then. So um, we want to thank you for being on the show, and of course, uh, everyone, you can find their. New stories out in the L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future, Volume 39, which is out now, and you can get it all your favorite book-buying locations. So Spencer Seculin and J.R. Johnson, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. 
To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.